Sports Stance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. My name is Greg, and as Jason Gerulo says, I'm riding solo. That's right, this week there is no Paul, it's just me giving all my stances on sports. It's 100% me. Are you going to be overbearing? Probably. But stick with me, we're going to get through this. 45 minute show probably around there, because, I mean, without Paul, I mean, there's not, there's not as much gusto. But I'm going to bring what I got. Don't you worry about that. First things first, we need to talk about hockey. And this has become a theme for the show where we used to joke about n- nobody talks about hockey. Ever. At all. Seems like nobody ever wanted to mention it. And that's because, well, throughout the regular season, you really don't. But what the NHL playoffs have done with the bubble situation, with the hub cities, they've created, created a fan of me. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Devils fan. Grew up in New Jersey, grew up in the age of Brodeur, Stanley Cup championships, and then nothing. Now I live in Massachusetts, so I've kind of gotten onto that Bruins bandwagon, just because why not? My family likes them, might as well join the show. They're at least in the playoffs, unlike the Devils. But in general, NHL playoffs have gone pretty good. I like the round robin playing, I liked what everything has been going on so far, but... Big news, as I said, latching on to the Bruins, the biggest shocker by far, outside of the Capitals being down 3-0 to the Islanders, is the fact that Tuka Rosk has left the bubble. He has opted out of the season. He cannot, I believe he cannot come back. I don't know the rules exactly, but I'm pretty sure if you opt out in the first round of the playoffs, your team's not going to be like, hey, you know what? You want to come back if we make it to the Stanley Cup? You got it. No, it's definitely not going to happen that way. But even as a not actual Bruins fan, but hearing Bruins fans around me, for the most part, most have been understanding about what the kind of situation that's come out for Tukaraska is, mainly the fact that he had a newborn daughter. Before even getting into the bubble, he wasn't quite sure his feelings on leaving his family for an extended period of time. It's understandable. Yeah, it's a pandemic. You don't know. Everything's uncertain at this point. You're going to a hub city to play in playoffs, but it's not like the NBA where it's an enclosed space where they're basically keeping it very monitored. Yeah, the NHL players are monitored, but they can still kind of go out into the city where it's opening up in Toronto. They've entered that phase where they're kind of allowing more things to open up. So there is the greater chance and risk of potential infection. And Tuca already had a false alarm. He had like coughing and different things. So he pressed the button on his phone. He had to be quarantined for two days. Had to take two negative tests to get back onto the ice. He's had a lot of different things. And according to the GM, coaches, players, none of them seem to be that shocked about the decision. The only thing that makes the decision a little harder, I think for Bruins fans especially, is the fact that Tuca came out like the day before after the game saying, these games don't feel like playoff hockey. They feel like exhibition games, especially with no fans involved. So to say that and then the next day opt out, people immediately went to, oh, he's opting out because he doesn't feel like these are real playoffs and therefore he doesn't have to participate. 
Yes, maybe. That could have been part of the reason. I honestly think it's a mental thing. As a parent, you have a newborn. You only get that phase for so long. And the fact that he was going to be away for potentially months from his newborn daughter, who they had throughout the pause period of the season when everything was really trying to get figured out. So he's in that whole first year phase. A lot happens in that first year. You don't want to miss out on words, steps. He didn't want to chance that. I completely understand that. If that is the reason, his family is the reason that he's opting out, who is going to argue with that right now? Who is going to look somebody in the face and say, I can't believe Tuka did that. can't believe he did that to his team, his teammates. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs. You only get so many chances at the Stanley Cup. Completely understand. You only get so many chances to see the first things of your child's life as well. You only get so many chances. He is choosing family over his career. Not really his career, but his time to shine right now in the playoffs. Because, I mean, honestly, when you look at it, you look at the whole list of goalies in the playoffs. Tuco is number one. Number one, number two. He's a finalist for, I think it's the Verrazano. So. The goalie award, I think I'm saying this right, but he was a finalist for one of the top three goalies in the league. He is took went to a game seven last year for the Stanley Cups with the Bruins. He's a top guy. He has been. The question I'm trying to figure out now is with him deciding to not stay in the bubble, he opts out. Joroslav Halak takes over. He won his first game as a starter, had a little hiccup. Made a little mistake that if the Bruins lost, would have been very much criticized where he did a terrible, he just had to get the pass off to McAvoy and he did not. But besides that, the Bruins won the game. They take the 2-1 series lead. They are the more dominant team, at least at this point. From what it seems, Carolina is now dealing with injuries. So, I mean, if Halleck plays well, he's a decent goalie. Tuca has a year left on his contract. The question becomes, say the Bruins go all the way. Say they win the Stanley Cup with Hollick in net between the pipes. Do you turn back to Tuca next year? Do you really go, hey, you know what? We got this other guy. He's cheaper. We have Tuca, who is a trade piece now. He has a year left on his contract, a team that is right in the thick of it, that needs that one goalie piece to make a difference for their team. We can maybe get some picks out of them. We could get some guys that could help our team out of this. So we'll be curious to see if this results in anything like that. There doesn't seem to be any animosity towards Tuca from the Bruins organization, which is good. That's how it should be. No player at this point should be criticized for opting out during a pandemic. Like, let's just be honest. Let's be fair here. If you're a fan and you're criticizing any guy, whether it was in baseball basketball, football, and hockey, if you are criticizing any guy in the major sports for opting out during this time in our lives, something wrong with you. You got to get your head checked. Just makes no sense. These guys are doing what they think is best for them and their families. Some are giving up millions of dollars. So it's not like these decisions are made lightly, but you got to respect them. No matter how much it hurts your team and their chances at victory, You got to respect the decision. If this was just plain regular season and no pandemic and all this and he opted out for family, then maybe you have an argument. 
then you're like, what do you, what are you doing? You have like a few days on the road and you can't do that. Then you have an argument. These guys are going months, months at a time. Like I think the NBA, it's like not going to end until October. So that's a long time. If you have a newborn, that's a long time. So that's what's happening with Tuca, at least from what it sounds like, in my opinion. And that's my thoughts on it. Don't have any other thoughts on it. I mean, I think I spent a good amount of time explaining myself. But besides that, besides the Bruins and their situation, like I said, the Islanders are on the verge of taking Ovechkin out of the playoffs at 3-0. The Golden Knights also on the verge of getting into the next round. They had a 3-0 series lead against Chicago. I mean, just a bunch of different bunch of different teams, series going pretty well. I mean, we all have enjoyed the overtime aspects. I will say, Paul and I did the show before that five-overtime thriller with the Lightning and the Blue Jackets. My two cents. I loved it. But hockey purists, don't get mad at me. Because I am not one. Don't I, I know there's some strong feelings on this. As awesome as five overtimes is. As amazing as almost playing two full extra games of hockey is. After three periods of overtime in playoff hockey, there should be a shootout. Or start taking guys off the ice. Start making it four on four, three on three. You got to do something. Something because five on five, back and forth, nothing happening. There was almost 90 shots by the Lightning. These goalies, that's not healthy for them, I don't think. It's not healthy for the players. The longer they have gone, the bigger chance of injury, which you don't want to see. So maybe after three overtimes, maybe after another full game of hockey, if nobody has won, come up with a new way to try to speed things up. Just, it's just a thought. Don't get mad at me. Just a thought. I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying think about it. Just a little bit. Putting it out there. Putting out the feelers for all the hockey guys to come right back at me. The guys from 12 on Sports, the other shows on 12 on Sports who are all about the hockey. Or any hockey fan. Just putting, putting feelers out there. Don't attack the sportscaster. I'm, I'm the messenger also, but just just don't. But yeah, overall, NHL playoffs, pretty good. A lot of series are tied or at least close. There's only a few that are big. The Blackhawks did actually win against Vegas. So it's 3-1 in that series. They still got a long way to go. Besides that, Ovechkin looks like they might be out pretty quickly. Kind of stinks because I like Ovechkin. He just seems like a fun guy. All right, besides that, the other bubble situation we are all enjoying is the NBA bubble. Now, clear-cut MVP of the bubble was Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers. But before I get into that, before I get into a segment that has not happened in quite some time, I'm trying to get Paul on board with it. We're going to have a really skip, I'm just saying. Before I get into that, though, one thing. How do you not give the Phoenix Suns a chance at getting a playoff seed? How do you not give them a chance? They were 8-0 in the bubble. 8-0. They did literally every single thing they could to get into that play-in game. 
Now, what's even more confusing to me with the playing game is Memphis would have had to win two games to get into the eighth seed, whereas the Trailblazers only had to win on Saturday, which they did. But again, makes no sense. If that's the situation, give me a Memphis versus Phoenix game to play into Sunday against the Trailblazers. Then it's winner take all. Do it that way. Make it interesting. Because, no offense, the Phoenix Suns did not deserve what happened. You do not have a team go 8-0 in this bubble. In this restart, Devin Booker put on a show who could have been the other bubble MVP. DeAndre Ayton, that team gelling together, showing what they are going to be capable of doing when next season starts. And you just don't give them a chance. None. Zero chance at having any possibility at an eight seed. Just how, how are you going to do that? How do you not have a potential playing game with Devin Booker and Damian Lillard? How do, you, how do you not, you had John Morant, Devin Booker, and Damian Lillard all there for the taking. All there for the taking. And just somehow, you just didn't capture it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know how you have a team go 8-0 and and nothing. It's a thanks for coming. Glad you came out. It's sad. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. It was like the it's like Cinderella literally not even getting to go into the ball. She she got there and before she got up the steps, the carriage turned back into a pumpkin, her slippers turned back into whatever she was wearing before that and her beautiful dress turns raggedy rags. That's basically what happened. That's what the NBA did to the Suns. And it's a shame. Like, I don't know. That's how I feel about it. It clearly angers me. Clearly angers me. I don't get it. I don't know how you do that. You you had the potential for the excitement, for the buildup. You had more young stars to market, and you, you squashed it. You squandered it. Yeah, I don't even know. It was some form of tomfoolery dangling the chance at the suns. And then it's just like, nope. You were close. You had the same winning percentage as the other two teams, but nope. Not going to even give you a chance. Ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, Skip Bayless. Let's get into it. Hit the music. That is right, really Skip is back because Skip Bayless has picked a new target during this bubble time, and it's weird. It's not Anthony Davis. It's not any Laker member to somehow go against LeBron or anything like that. It's not even him like sucking up to Kawhi Leonard even more after despising him all last year. Nope. Somehow Skip has decided, I'm going to attack Damian Lillard. The guy who has clearly taken the Trailblazers 
all the way into this eighth seed matchup where they're going to go against the number one seed Lakers. And with how the Lakers looked in the bubble, might have a chance. I'm not saying it's a great chance, but they have a chance at this point. I mean, they got a healthy squad. They got Dame. He's playing well. CJ McCollum is playing well. They got Nurkic. That's, I mean, that's a big help right there. They got Hassan Whiteside, who was the top blocker in the league on their bench. Like, and they have Mello playing like Hoodie Mello. Mello. Looks like he did back in New York. Hitting key threes in clutch games. I mean, that didn't happen in New York, but still. He was doing the deed on Saturday and helped them get that eighth seed. After his career was essentially dead a year ago, according to everybody. But for some reason, Dame Dalla is Skip Bayless's newest arch enemy. And not a guy who really to go after, mainly for the purpose of LeBron does not respond to Skip. He doesn't. He never has. He doesn't talk. He doesn't talk back. He doesn't do anything like that. He might like drop like a message here, like an incognito message here and there, but that's fine. Why would you go after Lillard? Really, Skip? What are you thinking? What are you doing? This man will write a diss track about you and will make you get burned so badly you won't be able to go on Undisputed for a week, which would be nice. But like, just come on. I don't know what caused it. I guess Skip doesn't like seeing guys be successful and all the hype about them. And sometimes he feels like he just needs to like knock them down a peg or two. It's really odd being a Cowboys fan that he feels that way. But, I mean, th- saying things like, since Damian Lillard entered the league, he has the worst playoff winning percentage of any player in the NBA and the second worst playoff plus minus. Yeah, all I hear is what a clutch superstar he is. Show me now. Back up the hype. Dame time, not Dame time. First off, he is a member of the Portland Trailblazers who have not had a, that talented of a squad his first few years there. CJ McCollum was a nice surprise as a number two guy. They have a de- they have a decent team. I'm pretty sure they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder last year in the playoffs. That's good. Making it out of the first round is a big deal. Also, making it to the playoffs is good, especially in the Western Conference, which has notoriously been stacked the past few seasons at least. Now, if you said this and he was in the East, maybe I could see it. Maybe I could understand. But he's coming out of the West. If he's the Trailblazers, if they're the 6, 7, or 8 seed, they've had to deal with the Warriors. They've had to deal with the Rockets. They've had to deal with Kevin Durant Thunder still at some point. Like, it's not like he's dealing with these easy teams. And the Trailblazers aren't a top four team. So they get the best teams in the West who are usually for the top five teams in the league. So when you think about that, it's a terrible stat to throw out there. If you're just arguing that Damian Lillard is a superstar. Does one guy make a team? Partly. I mean, if he's a superstar like LeBron, we've seen that with the Cavs. He has carried a team full of nobodies to a championship. Not a championship, to the finals. And, like, pretty far into the playoffs. So it's possible. 
but that was in the East. Everybody knows it was easier in the East. Over the past 15 years, it's been easier. In the West, it's a lot harder. So to come after a guy like that for no, like a no apparent reason outside of like you just want to start something, you want to make yourself be relevant, which you are, congrats. You do it very well. You're a master troll. That's how you got a TV show and millions of dollars. But Skip, come on. I know you're attacking like what he did in the fourth quarter against the Grizzlies. He had 27 points before the fourth quarter. He finished with 31. Four points in the fourth quarter. Nothing spectacular. He had three assists in the fourth quarter, so that's six points he contributed right there. He had a rebound. But it's also not just that. The focus is going to be on him. He was playing out of his mind the few games before the playing game. He was dropping 50-point, 60-point games. So teams are going to focus on him. He's the offensive centerpiece. When you're the offensive centerpiece, all the eyes come towards you. What does that do? That opens things up for everybody else. That opens things up for CJ McCollum. That opens things up for Gary Trent Jr. That opens things up for Mello. That opens it up for the rest of the offense to put in the work. So when you're saying he did nothing to help that team out in the fourth quarter, being on the court helps the team. Being somebody that draws attention from a defender and needing a second defender to maybe kind of watch him where he can make a pass and then another quick pass gets a guy open and then there's the assist. But since he was the first pass of two, he doesn't get the assist. You don't see that number. It doesn't look fancy on a stat sheet. But it is. It's a fancy thing. It's not fancy, but it's a thing that works. You don't always need to be the guy putting up the points. LeBron James has showed that. Michael Jordan showed that. Guys who are superstars show how to do that. Magic Johnson. I mean, John Stockton's not a name you think of superstar. But when you look at his assist numbers, he made a lot of guys look good and made a lot of guys help that team win in Utah. So it's not always just about how many points did you put up? Which, by the way, Skip, you put up 150 points in three-game span. It's pretty good. He needed The team needed those points to get to the playing game, and then they helped Dame out when he didn't put up 50 points. He put up 31 points. That's a great night for a guy. 31 points, 10 assists. He had a double-double. Doesn't sound like impressive sometimes. I feel like triple-double is like now the new double-double, but still. 10 assists, 31 points. That is contributing 51 points to your team. Right there. It's pretty good. I would take that every night. Usually he does more than that. He didn't have to this night. His teammates picked up the slack. And if you think it's even slack, that's laughable. Come on, Skip. Like, be better. At least if you're going to come at him. Come at him with, like, really somehow good... I don't even know. Such as... Just like, why tweet out, weird, Damian Lillard, superstar, scored zero field goals in the fourth quarter, but his teammates took over and erased an eight-point lead But by the won't-quit Grizz. Like, just stop. Just stop trying. You're doing it for the interactions. I'm giving it to you. Mainly because I just like to re- come back and make it seem how really dumb you are. I know you're a master troll. I get it. But somebody's got to say it back. Shannon Sharp does to an extent, but he also has to make sure he keeps a G. 
I mean, I'm not really going crazy. I'm not, like, cursing up a storm or anything, but still. Really, Skip, just sit down. Enjoy some good basketball. Enjoy Dame Lillard. Because if you keep talking the talk, he's going to come back with a diss track, and, oh, I cannot wait. I can't wait. Like as Bart Scott said, can't wait. It's going to be good. Oh, felt good. I haven't done one of those in a while. Hit the music, though. Now that that really skip is out of the way, let me tell you something else. 12 on Sports is your home for the best live talk shows and sports broadcasts. You know you can catch so many shows on the 12 Ounce Network on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, but now you can also watch live on Zingo TV. Zingo TV has added 12 on Sports to their long list of channels, and now if you're on your smart TV, just download the app and flip it to channel 761 to catch all of our live 12 on Sports programming plus replays. All you got to do is download Zingo TV and use the promo code 12OUNCE. That's 1-2-O-Z when signing up. Yeah, it's that simple. Be sure to check out our latest blogs and podcasts as well on 12OUNCESports.com. All right, now it's time for a little Major League Baseball talk. Not a whole lot going on in Major League Baseball outside of positive coronavirus tests. Reds Pirates had to be postponed because of that. You have the Cardinals who have only played eight games because of all the issues they had. Marlins are nine and six because of all their tests. Like It's amazing that baseball actually has continued. I'm thankful it's continued. For the sport, not thankful as a fan. Because, my goodness, the Red Sox are horrendous. I guess I should clarify, though. It's not the Red Sox offense that's horrendous. Although J.D. Martinez hitting only one home run has been very disappointing for fantasy baseball purposes only. The Red Sox bullpen and starting pitching has been awful. They are so bad. I honestly wish they just threw out like Xander Bogarts onto the mound because it couldn't be any worse. Could not be any worse. I don't know who they could throw out there. I don't know who they could even... Like, Nathan Eovaldi wasn't even good. Against the Yankees, that's literally just been... I turn on the TV, the game has started like three minutes beforehand, and somehow it's 20 to nothing Yankees. That's what it feels like. It's not like the Red Sox are putting up no runs. The other night they put up like six or seven runs. They put up four or five runs. But when you're giving up 11 runs, 17 runs, it's not pretty. Plus, all the guys on offense, all the fielders are sitting here watching going like, all right, cool, it's the second inning and we already have a five-run hole. How are we going to get out of this? It's demoralizing. But I digress on the Red Sox. Besides that, Yankees, on the other hand, are thriving, despite the fact that they just had DJ LeMay, who I said that really where I felt, felt like I yodeled that, like yodel who, but... They had DJ LeMay who go on the 10-day injured list. He was batting 4-11. But what I found interesting about it, this brings me to my point, 
only reason I'm talking about even a Yankee player in general, because, you know, I despise them. The fact that during the broadcast, it was on Fox's broadcast, I noticed something that was being talked about, and I found it really weird. It's a 60-game season, and they were talking about, are we finally going to have a 400 average hitter in a Major League Baseball season this year? And then they started talking about ERA and different things like that and the records there. MLB is not counting this as like a regular season stats compared to 162 games, right? Like that's that's not me thinking that's crazy. For example, if he came back from the injuries room and DJ hit for 400 average, are they going to be like, hey, look, first guy to hit 400 since Ted Williams? Because if they do, that is horseshit. Pardon my French. But that would be a complete lack of sense on anybody's part. Because, yeah, he hit 400 in 60 games. Let's see what he does in another 102 games. You can't do. You can't compare that. Same thing with ERA. You can't compare a guy having a .27 ERA in, I get, 20 appearances. Would be impressive. Like if there's a, if they hit the standard for what it is, I guess you can make the argument, especially because I think it's Bob Gibson who has the ERA record, and as a starting pitcher, that's even more impressive. So I guess you can make an argument, but still, there is no reason any sort of record that involves averages or ERA should be counted in the record books with the regular season ones. You can do it as its own separate slate, for the pandemic 2020 season, 60-game season records, in case there's ever another one. There, I hope isn't. But just in case there is, I guess you can have that record book. But let's not have any sort of talk about, hey, first guy since Ted Williams hit 400, look at this ERA. Like, none of that. Stop that now. It stops here on 12-ounce sports. Like, just clear-cut. Not not a thing. Not happening. Like, li- listen to me. Listen to Greg. Not, not a thing. Not a record. Not a first time since. None of that. All right? Like, if Aaron Judge goes out and hits, like, 40 home runs, we can make it a record for most home runs in a 60-game season or the first third of a season type thing, like... All that would be very impressive. I get those things. But no, batting averages especially and ERAs especially don't even talk about being compared to the record book in any sort of way. Because you can't. You just can't do it. Besides that in baseball, though, not too much to talk about. Shane Bieber completely dominating as a pitcher. Doesn't matter what league you're in. When you're punching out 11 guys in seven innings like on a consistent basis... It's just impressive. Like, he is just putting up big numbers, looking good. Cleveland's just a phenomenal at making starting pitchers who are very good. Kluber, Trevor Bauer, you can even say. I get there are people that don't like Trevor Bauer, but you can't argue with the fact that the guy can punch out a good enough amount of guys in the order time and time again. He was with Cleveland. So you had Kluber, Bauer, you had Bieber. Yeah, Carrasco, like you have very good pitchers consistently coming out of Cleveland. So props to their scouts, 
whoever finds these guys because if you could send some of them towards Boston, I'd appreciate it. Besides that, you have Judge still knocking home runs. Fernando Tatis Jr. still doing it. Mookie Betts is now starting to get hot. Yay, Mookie. Again, sorry. Bitter Red Sox fan moment. Happy for Mookie. Not happy. I mean, Verdugo's actually been pretty decent for the Red Sox. And he doesn't want to be compared to Mookie, which completely understand. But he's he's been solid. Which, like I said, can't be said about the Red Sox. Bullpen or starting pitching. Again, not the point. I digress. But that's, that's really it for baseball right now. As far as major storylines, there's not tons outside of guys going down. You have Acuna Jr. going down. You have DJ going down for the Yankees. You have a few other guys going down, going on the 10-day IL. So we'll see. I don't know how much of an effect that's going to have on any of these teams. Most of them have somebody they can plug in, or they have another bunch of superstars around that to help fill the void left by them. Besides that, next we have some NFL and NCAA talk. And honestly, it's just really NCAA football talk because, well, NFL doesn't have too much going on. I will get to something in the NFL just a little bit later. It might be the, oh no, baby, what is you doing moment of the week. It's a good one. NCAA, though, as we know, Paul and I talked about, it was rumored that, you know, some leagues might cancel their season. We weren't quite sure who it was going to be or if and when the dominoes were going to fall. Two dominoes fell this week, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. SEC, ACC, and Big 12 have all said, we still plan on having a season. So we will see how that goes for them and if that stops at any point or if maybe Big Ten and Pac-12 turnabout because they are getting a lot of pressure from players, coaches, fans, parents, all of them. The other issue is you have medical advisors pushing back saying, all right, none of you should be playing. It's just not feasible. Like, think about your health and safety first. And college football fans are like, college football? Medical advisors are like, no. But college football? No. College football? Like, it's just, there's a wall between the two. Neither wants to listen to the other. I mean, do I want college football? Of course I do. Do I want this pandemic to somehow continue because there's like a massive outbreak of college kids getting it from playing football? No. Because I'm going to be honest. I was a college kid once. Would I trust me to follow all the guidelines and rules put in place so I could play football? Probably not. Like, honestly, probably not. You're not going to be able to socialize. You can't go hang out with people outside of probably your teammates. You have to probably stay in close quarters to make sure you're doing all the necessary precautions to take place. People are going to sneak out. It's just like human nature to not follow the rules, at least in America. And it's just a fact. Try to argue if you want. You cannot sit here and tell me there are going to be how many programs there are involved in all these different conferences. There's not going to be one kid on one of these teams that goes out and breaks the rules. And then because of that trickle effect, teammates get infected. They go play a game. Maybe they didn't test positive right away. They spread to the next team and it just kind of progresses from there. Like it's a huge possibility. 
it would it's most definitely going to happen. You can kind of control it with the NBA bubble. You can kind of control it with the NHL hub cities. MLB hasn't really controlled it, and they are professionally grown men who have not been able to handle the situation. And we're going to say 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds can? I just don't see it. I don't see it. I get it. We love football. If we love football so much, like five months ago when everything started, they were like, hey, follow these rules, and maybe in the next few months things can get back to normal. And people were like, meh. Probably would have been a good time to listen. If you want college football back that badly, follow the guidelines that have shown to work everywhere else. And we could have college football. At this point, though, in the spring. You know what? Honestly, why can't you have it in the winter? I don't get this. I don't understand why you can't start a season in November. Like I said with the NFL, start it in November. See where we're at then. If you have to, start it in December. You already play bowl games in January. And, I mean, it seems to be fine. Like, are we worried about guys playing in the freezing cold? Because I don't know if you know this. The Packers play at a place called Lambeau Field. And they have played games in negative degree temperatures. So if any of these guys are even thinking about going professional, there are a lot of teams on like the East Coast and in the North where not all of them are in domes and it gets very cold. So consider it practice. But at least maybe give it a few more months where we have a little more of an idea of a timeline of maybe vaccines or how to handle it or logistics in general. Because it doesn't seem like logistics have really been given out. The two conferences that had players unify saying, hey, we want to make sure these medical checks and things like that all happen have already been canceled. They've been postponed. It's only the conferences that have not had players unify to an extent of saying we want to make sure we're protected that have canceled. And yeah, I get it. Trevor Lawrence, guys like that. Big college names have come up being like, we want to play. Justin Fields has started a petition to get the Big Ten back into play this year. I get it. We love football. Football is great. I love gambling on football. I love playing fantasy football. I love playing the video games. of Everything of football I love. I could go a year without it. If it's for the safety and good of everybody involved. I could. I could go a year without it. I could go a year without sports if I had to for the safety of my family, my friends, the world, like all of it. I could do it. We're pushing it back to the spring. Doesn't seem that life devastating. As a first world problem that we should just look at it and be like, you know what? Not that important. Because it's not. It's not that important to make sure you have a college football season or really in all reality an NFL season. Because it's just not. Let's get the world healthy first or get more of an understanding of how to deal with it and how to proceed with it. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like I haven't heard any, any sort of ideas coming from these colleges of what they're going to do Outside of like, we're going to try to test. We're going to be make sure we take extra precautions. Give me specifics. How are you traveling? How are you getting kids from place to place? 
How are you making sure kids also get their education technically? Because, I mean, they're football players. We know that the whole school is a little iffy. But, like, how are we doing all these different things where these players can still be student athletes and not have to worry about getting the risk of a virus? Like, are there meals being prepared for them? Are they going to be allowed to go to, like, the drive through in town or go to different things in town like a normal college student would or they would be allowed to under normal circumstances? That's what you got to figure out. That's all you have to figure out with all this. How you're going to contain... All these different college kids, I have no idea. I don't. You have issues when there is no pandemic across the world of containing guys. So I'll be interested to see what happens, what procedures are taken. Again, I would love college football. I would love regular football. But if somehow in the end it's not for the best of everybody involved, don't. Do it. Don't take the risk just for the almighty dollar. Because that's what the upper administration and people are doing it for. The kids want to play. Plain and simple, I understand that. They want to play for the sake of playing. Coaches, administration, they're all doing it because they want to get their money. Don't let them fool you. It's all about the money. By the way, speaking about money, I got to tell you guys about my bookie. Sports are coming back, and if you want to get in the action, my bookie is the place to be. They're going to match your deposit up to $1,000 when you use promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. That's 1-2-O-Z SPORTS when signing up. You don't want to miss your chance to cash that ticket during the NHL and NBA playoffs. MOB is back. Horse racing has been back. It's great. Use promo code 12OUNCESPORTS again when signing up to get your deposit match up to $1,000 at my bookie. Go check it out. All right, last but definitely not least for the week is the oh no, baby. What is you doing? Because honestly, this one is a doozy from the NFL. You just think about it, you're like, oh, what was this guy thinking? What could he have learned from all of this? And that is Kima Siverand. I don't, I'm pretty sure I just butchered that name. A Seahawks rookie decided, I need to have a lady friend over at the team hotel. It is prominent that I do so. But, hmm, females are not allowed in, especially during these times. How can I get her into the team hotel without anybody noticing? Well, he came up with a pretty clever idea. He decided to dress her in team gear because somehow that would slip past the coaches that the woman on camera in team gear totally was a part of the team even though they don't know who she is. That's right. It was caught on, She was caught on camera being snuck in. Clearly did not fly. After it was discovered, he was released. He was waved. Whatever it is, he was cut. He was cut plain and simple. As he should be. I mean, one, you broke the rules, but two, come on. If you're going to try to break the rules, be more clever. Like, don't just be like, Scooby-Doo it. I'm going to put you in a disguise. You're going to wear team gear. Nobody will notice. Give her, somehow sneak a cleaner outfit from, like, the hotel. Give it to her. 
find a cart, have her push it, and like enter your room like she's cleaning it. More creative. At least try and make it believable. Not just a random woman you're walking in with team gear and being like, yeah, she's part of the team. She is totally part of the team. Like, come on. Come on, Siverin. What is you doing? Pete Carroll came out and he's like, we got to do what's best for the team. Yeah, obviously. This makes sense. You break rules, you got to make a point. He's a rookie. He's not somebody that... he. I don't even know if he was going to make the team. I've never heard of him. But just in general, you can't do that. He was undrafted. I mean, he had a $2,000 signing bonus. There wasn't any sort of reasoning for them to keep him. If he was a first-round pick, a second-round pick, you you probably keep the story hush-hush. Yeah, swipe it under the rug. You have a stern talking to, a fine of some sort, an agreement in place where you don't talk about it. But when you're an undrafted rookie and this happens, it's going to get out. It's going to be hilarious. And, like, all I picture is, like, the kids in the trench coat sneaking into the movie theater. You could have could have tried so many different things. So many different things. Or, like, leave your team hotel if you can for a little bit of time. But it, still, is it really that worth it? I don't get it. I don't get how you potentially going to make an NFL team is worth risking for some some booty call like I don't know I don't I don't think it was a girlfriend or like a wife or anything I think that would be more of the headline in the story since it's, she's just referred to as a female I gotta assume it's just like a hey you want to hang type thing but oh imagine imagine your NFL career ending before it really ever had a chance to get started all because you couldn't keep it in your pants for a, like a few weeks like, I'm pretty sure the team wasn't there for that long. It has not, there's definitely not been that many weeks so far of NFL practices and training camp or whatever they're doing right now. It does not. There's just no excuse for it. It makes no sense at all to try this move. And again, to do it so poorly of just dressing them up in team gear. Oh, oh that's why this week, Siverin from the Seahawks, the rookie waved, gets the... Oh, no, baby. What is you doing of the week? Besides that, though, that's it. I got nothing else to talk about. At least not at the moment. I'm sure next week we will have more. Paul Holfield will be back. If not, you're going to get more of me just rambling away about MLB records. Hopefully, I mean, I really hope there's more females getting disguised because I think this should become a series. Of what players can do it and what who got away with it and who didn't. Like I just picture him being like, if it weren't for you meddling cameras, I would have gotten away with this booty call. Scooby-Doo style. Seriously. That's what it should be like. Just like a big mask reveal and you're like, oh, you're not part of the team. You're right. I'm not. I was a dun-dun-dun booty call. <gasps> Gasp. Jinkies. All that. I hope that's not copyrighted. If it is, we're going to bleep that out. But nope, that's it. That's all that she wrote for this week in the sports stance. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining me on this 
journey of sports talk. Again, my name is Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Stay safe, stay healthy, be good to one another. We will see you next week. Have a good one. The Sports Sports Dance.